so I wanted to do these episodes in one take, but it looks like I've been getting a lot of call-ins, and the call-ins are specific to the RPG A Day 2021 podcast that I'm putting out. So I'm going to be including call-ins based on these podcasts or referring to these podcasts and then doing my one take. So I guess it's a change. We have to adapt. And uh, here we go. Hey, Carl, that was an awesome reading of uh, that dude's, I don't remember his name, but his talk on spears versus swords. I more or less agree with him, except the fact that he missed the one most important aspect of swords that make them better than spears. And this is, like I said, the most important aspect. Swords just look cooler. Peace out. Hey, Carl, Jason here. Just caught up to day four RPG a day weapons. I think that Riddle of Steel using the Harn Master world and the Harn Master maps would be wonderful. The Harn maps are great, without a doubt, but I definitely prefer Riddle of Steel to the Harn mechanics. As far as tactics go, you know, your, your better half is right, you know. Kasha did what she felt was best, and... Just letting those six run off and be a problem could, you know, could have been a huge problem. So by eliminating that, it eliminates the fact that anybody knew we were there. So I, I kind of fall down with hot Kasha here. Sam may or may not. He, he probably would have just left the area. But, you know, as a player, I mean, obviously you, you need to kill everybody you meet and take their stuff. I mean, that's just the way you're supposed to play RPGs, right? Actually, in this case, you could argue the the sensibility of making all the noise of all the gunfire, especially once we started opening that 50 cal. Anybody within a few miles heard that. So hopefully our party ends up moving pretty quickly. But that said, you know, maybe we need to get some suppressors or, you know, invest some crossbows and some other quieter weapons. But it, it did make sense for them not to know we were there because they, they were definitely a threat to us, especially since we already suspected they're cannibals and, and all that kind of thing. As far as weapons go, yeah, you know, they're games. They're not going to really model things realistically. And, and there are arguments. I mean, a, a great sword is is definitely, you know, a ton of skill. The, I mean, the other thing with spears compared to swords are, you, you know, it's a lot faster for somebody to tra- be trained up to basic effectiveness with a spear. Not to be a master, but just basic use. It's easier to train them on a spear than a sword. I look forward to more entries in your RPG a day series. I'll probably only listen to maybe twice a week and and give you batches of call-ins due to my schedule. I really don't have time to listen to them on work days, but when I have a day off, I'll I'll try to binge them. So, but keep up the great work. Glad you're out there doing this, and I look forward to game with you soon. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everyone. When I think of Throne, I think of this, to me, wonderful idea and show that lasted for 10 years. You can hear the music for the theme song in the background, and that is Game of Thrones. And I know that it dwindled in 
quality in the last few seasons, but I think for a lot of people, bringing a fantasy series with that production value and that verve and that popularity to the mainstream was great for a lot of us, honestly, nerds of the genre. And I love this particular theme. I'll put it in the show notes about what it's about and who's doing it. But it is the a riff off the original theme uh, with the performance of Tom Morello, Scott Ian, Nudo Betancourt, Brad Paisley, and the composer, Raman Jawadi, all on new single collection guitars from the Fender Custom Shop. It's a pretty amazing video, and uh, they all start jamming like you can hear. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm going to stop that, and you can listen to it in its entirety and continue to talk about Game of Thrones. It does have its controversy, as you know. Um, George Martin and his all his proclivities and quirks, especially in the writing. But, uh, you know, it was, it was one of the, I don't know, it was a, I think it was a seminal work of fantasy fiction, at least the Game of Thrones book, um, Storm of Swords, Clash of Kings, and the rest, what is it, uh, Dances with Dragons next, I think, I don't know, I lose track, he hasn't finished it, so they finished it in the show, and that's also a whole, could be a whole nother set of podcasts, and I'm sure there's YouTube videos and podcasts out there about how awful seasons 9 and 10 had become, um, especially 10. I mean, honestly, I couldn't even watch it towards the end. But at the beginning, it was great to see such a, to me, a, a, again, a seminal work, whether you agree with it, with its quality or not, um, by George R.R. R. Martin. The, game, the original Game of Thrones book was something different. It was court intrigue. It was adult fantasy fiction. Um, and it was epic in its scope and tale. The maps are of Westeros and Esteros are fantastic. And, and you know what? There's a role-playing game that came out of it. Actually, more than one role-playing game. I believe that I have the uh, D20 version somewhere in my collection as well. But I think the one I'm going to refer to and talk about here is the uh, one by Green Ronin and Chris Promise et al., and that is the song of Ice and Fire role-playing game. And I've run it twice. And I think the draw for that role-playing game, because this is about RPG a day chat, the goal of the role-playing game or the draw of the role-playing game is that you can create your own house. And that was pretty cool in both instances. In the first time I ran it, the um, players were bannermen of John Aaron of the Airy. And he, if you do not know in the story, was the Hand of the King before Ned Stark. And basically, I think they uh, they are there in King's Landing when John Aaron is still the Hand and there's a tournament. We actually did an adventure where we went to the tournament from the Airy as well. And there was a tournament and the players did pretty damn well and gained the notice of King Robert, who was still king at the time. This is the the way that they set the timeline is it's before the events of the of the Game of Thrones, um, actually. So I think I think towards the end of it they do hear that Ned Stark is on his way uh, down, or they're thinking about bringing Ned Stark down because John Aaron is getting old and thinking about retiring. I think that's how we 
we put it. Um, maybe he was getting sick at the time, right? So anyway, so they did well at the tournament. I think it was it was really good gameplay. I believe very exciting. We had a whole host of characters from warriors to maesters to uh, rogues, and actually we did um, we did we did do some social combat, and that was also a unique aspect about, or it is a unique aspect about uh, Song of Ice and Fire role-playing game. Um, it has a, a social, very codified social combat system, and actually it was a bone of contention for one of the players because he lost his social combat, and the consequence of the social combat is the winner, the person you lose to, can compel you to, because you lost the combat, it's just, right? If you, just as if you defeated someone in battle, then the winner gets to determine what you do. So he lost the combat to the Black Widow of Casterly Rock. All the players said, someone with that title, uh, I think you should not, you know, believe them or do what, or go to them or anything like that. But uh, the player succumbed and she told him he had to drink this wine, which he probably, he knew was probably laced with poison. Um, so he did. Um, all the characters, all the other players were in agreement that this is what would happen, but that player left because he didn't like the consequences of the social combat. And that in and of itself could have some controversy because you don't want to compel players to necessarily to do things, but they know that they should know and they do know the consequences of their failure in social combat. You know, really it's like you're persuading someone or telling them to do extremes, telling them to change their actions. And really the Black Widow was trying to get this man to um, to commit crimes for her. And he had started to. But then, you know, he said there was a point where he could not go further in those crimes. And she said, well, you have two choices then. And then we did the social combat. You either don't do it or you drink this poison wine. So he took the poison wine, which I guess still gives him a choice instead of betraying his fellows and his countrymen, etc. So gaining the notice of the king, gained these players um, some more tasks. So John Aaron had them go and take care of, of um, some conflict to the west. I think there, this was during the rebellion of the uh, Pike family, shortly before the great civil war that's talked about in the books. So we had some really cool fights and um, <laughs> consequently that player who had lost his character in the other one, he made another character. And I guess maybe, I, I mean, it, it, it is a deadly and tough system. And if you, I think he felt he was still maybe playing a game where there was less consequences for your, your attempt at murder, hovering or your fighting it was especially deadly. They had a very, I would say, realistic, deadly mechanic that if you were ganged up upon, you're in real big trouble. And even the character uh, known as The Wall almost succumbed to being attacked by multiple uh, raiders um, in the Pi Clan. So it was uh, really good. We didn't continue after that conflict there. And it would have been neat to see what, what happened you know, when the big civil war uh, started happening with these characters. So um, maybe another time. The second time I tried this game, we uh, only got through to uh, the 
house creation, but it was, I already had a neat idea and outline for what was to come. So basically the, uh, it was a, it was not Ned Stark's house, but it was a, a house that was loyal to Ned Stark. And actually the, the father of one of the characters had gone with Ned Stark when he went to the is it castle of joy or tower of joy. I can't remember how they, what they call it exactly in the stories, but, uh, the first adventure was going to task them to go down there and recover, uh, their father's body and actually their lost, uh, dragon sword. So <laughs> dragon steel sword. So uh, that would have been a really cool adventure. And then probably by the time they had come back, then Ned Stark would have gone to uh, King's Landing to be the new hand and all sorts of wonderful drama could have ensued. So I, Song of Ice and Fire is a really neat game. I love the house creation. It can generate so many stories that are, that are not, and, and I guess what I would do in a campaign is again, start before the books, but then the interesting thing would be to see how the players react to the chaos that ensues during the Storm of Swords and Clash of Kings um, after uh, Ned Stark. Spoiler, this show has been around, this book has been around and the show has been around for years and years. Ned Stark uh, gets killed at the end of the first book and causes the, the chaos that ensues. So anyway, um, there you go, Game of Thrones. I will put a link in the show notes to that YouTube video of the from the Fender Custom Shop because that is freaking awesome. Um, it goes about seven minutes. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but Hopefully you enjoy the little snippet here. All right, take care. That's Throne, RPG a day, 2021. I need to make an addendum and a correction to my Thrones podcast, and that is that the main credit for A Song of Ice and Fire is for Robert J. Schwab, who you might know from Shadow of the Demon Lord. Uh, the other game concepts are by Steve Kenson, Nicole Lindros, Chris Promise as well. So it is a collection of people but Chris Promise is not the main um, writer it is Robert Schwab